You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 170 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss controlling anger and frustration. Critter of the show is the African gray parrot. In Critter Nutrition, the focus is on reducing the effects of travel stress on horses. Join us. I'm Tigger. There's no Patty. And I'm Coach Jen. Welcome back. We get together <laughs> twice a month. <laughs> we talk about all things critter and healthy. Pat Patty called in sick. No, she didn't. She, no, didn't she has an equine emergency. Equi- you know, and we're all familiar with and, those. And we, and we all know what that's like. Yeah. Yes. And speaking of stress, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> equine emergency. I'm curious. And frustration. And frustration. I'm curious because... <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about reducing stress on our horses when they travel. Mm-hmm. For you personally, is it more stressful when you have doggy health issues or horsey health issues? They're both stressful. <laughs> yeah, they're about equal. <laughs> about equal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. What is what what is your most dramatic, bizarre, crazy? This this could not possibly happen if I had made it up horsey emergency that you've ever had silence oh have to go deep into the memory banks for that um you know i i i really have been incredibly lucky that i haven't had i i had a borders horse that went into a very bad colic that was like over, I just, he was fine when I fed him. And when I did late night, he was down and not fine. bad. And, not fine. Um, yeah. They're probably that, for most of us the scariest, aren't they? Colics. Oh, for sure. And, and, and the vet couldn't pull him out. And he was old and the owner said, let him go. <sighs> um, but it was just so fast mm-hmm. from totally normal, healthy eating to, I'm on the ground. I'm going to die. Yeah. In my very limited colic experience, knock on wood, I haven't had too many of those over the years. The two times we lost horses to colic, it was similar in that it was a very quick, intense onset. Yeah. So those kind of terrify me. The ones where it just bruised gently don't, freak me out quite yeah, as the much gassy because, kind that yeah. you, know, you give them some banamine they're fine yeah um in my experience they have not turned out horribly although i'm sure there are many people out there who have had horses yeah, that but look it just like, escalates yeah yeah so we'll we'll delve more into stress and the travel oh actually actually you just reminded me i just okay so this was just as bad as the colic um i I had a thoroughbred off the track and we had just completed our first event and it was like two or three days after the event. And 
he'd been so good. And so I was just riding him around bareback. Um, those are the days. And, you know, put him away. And the barn calls me and tells me he's colicking. And the vet came and blah, blah, blah. And I, I slept at the barn. And, you know, I was in my 20s. And every, I'd get up every hour or two and get and check on him. And he was kind of weaving. And I, and I thought, God, that's so weird. Why is he weaving? But he wasn't showing any other colicky symptoms, right? Hmm. He wasn't biting it. He wasn't trying to lie down. And what, when we took him out of the stall and I, you know, I kept checking on him and, and when we took him out of the stall in the morning, he could not walk and he had <gasps> foundered. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that's was, crazy. It was crazy. That is yeah. just crazy, man. Now, were were they able to pin down the cause or what? They thought it was the hay. Huh? Isn't that crazy? Now, what you know? I don't. I we we don't know. And that was well. That and was, so often, know. founder and and colic both. It's so often can never really say with certainty this is you know this is what got things right. started yeah ouch wow trauma so, i'm sw- i have sweaty palms yeah. now <laughs> thanks for reminding me of that horrible time <laughs> you're welcome i'm happy to help <laughs> speaking of which anger anger and frustration that's our round table for today it and is oh, and i go ahead i will tell you what my inspiration was I, uh, you know, like everybody, I, you know, my dogs go into the vet once a year for their healthy, happy dog check. And I had just come in with two, I bring two at a time. So this one was these two. And I walk in and there's a guy at the counter with the receptionist and, and his dog. And he is yelling. I mean, yelling. And he's pounding the counter. And the dog, the thing that struck me, not just because the guy was like livid and angry, but the dog was cowering and trying to get away and looked so miserable. Like, get me out of here, please. Somebody like save me from this madman. Oh, he was embarrassed. His human was acting poorly. No, I don't think it, it, I don't think it's embarrassment. I really think they feel the anger. Just as much as they feel and sense when, when we're uh, an- not angry, but we're sad or um, upset emotionally. Yeah I, yeah, yeah, I think dogs in particular they, are very tuned to that. They yeah. just are, but so are horses. Because I remember I had this mare, this warm blood mare, very opinionated. Um, her, her nickname was Leona Helmsley. <laughs> And she, one day, she just refused to stand in the cross ties. She futzed and kicked and, you know, just so flashing her tail back and forth. And, you know, I want out of here. I, she, I, I'd already worked her, right? I was putting her then to take her saddle off, give her a bath, turn her out. And she was just, and I 
finally, I lost my temper. And I said, you know, I yelled at her. Now, at this point, the girth is loose. Uh-oh. It's off, you know, but I, I haven't taken the saddle off. And I am yelling at this mare. She bucks. The saddle goes up in the air and she kicks it and busts oh it. And that was a really big lesson in, hello, don't get mad at your horse. Oops. Did your saddle survive? No, she busted the tree. She cow kicked it with both hind legs. Wow. Oh, yeah. Leona Helmsley. Wow. Um, Very good lesson, I have to say. Yeah. So watching this man just go off on this poor receptionist because he didn't like his vet bill, which was just, as I could make out, some routine vaccinations um, and watching the dog's expression. And so I went and started looking at, you know, is this a dynamic that is, is a problem? And believe it or not, it is. And that like anxiety has been elevated in the last two years. So has anger and it has negative effects both on the health of the person and on the health of the dog. Evidently, dogs can have greater anxiety, greater behavioral changes. If they live in an environment where there's a lot of anger being expressed. And it can include inward anger. So anger isn't just the outburst. Anger is also the, you know, dark, depressing, negative self-talk and, you know, punishing, self-punishment, if you will. And then there's the passive-aggressive anger, like degrading other people or giving somebody the silent treatment or sulking. And these things all affect these incredibly sensitive animals. And when you think about horses in barns, And, you know, there's people there with their own stuff and they get angry and throw a rake or something in the aisle or start yelling at each other or da-da-da-da-da. The horses don't have a mechanism to block that out any more than the dogs do. So I, I wanted to, you know, talk about the things that we humans can do to roll down the volume on our anger and frustration and sweeping one of the squeaky sweeping the barn aisle is an excellent way to dissipate negative energy mucking stalls (laughs) mucking stalls start picking up shit yep oh can i say that (laughs) (laughs) but but for Um, me for me at least uh, very strenuous physical work, not well, going, that's, for, that's not going that, for a run, but actual work where I'm accomplishing something for me is an excellent way to dissipate anger and frustration. The health experts say that getting out and doing something that either that you really like or that, you know, just taking a walk or, you know, going and planting in your garden or whatever it is. The physical exertion helps to bring down the cortisol, which is what 
happens with it, this kind of energy. Um, and one of the things I've learned to do is because where my anger comes out is driving. Now it's never exploded into road rage because that's just not in my wheelhouse, but I can get angry in the car for sure, gripping the steering wheel and yelling various curse words and unique combinations. And I've learned, I just tell myself, okay, soften. And then I just, even just saying that, I just, my shoulders slumped and I just start feeling relaxed, more relaxed and just think about softening, softening, softening. And it's an opposition to the hard, intense, grab a steering wheel and yeah. yell insults. Yeah. And, um, and, and that, that is something that really helps me. And there are moments, you know, when I, I want to yell at a dog that I have just said come to about 56 times who just <laughs> looks at me and says, I'll take it under consideration. Um, and you just want to say, okay, get, get over here. Really? Yeah. And I've learned, okay, soften and then make it a fun thing. Hey, let's get over here. But I can't get there until I've. I've gone to a softer place. That's a really difficult one. You're right to switch from that frustrated mm -hmm. mode. You yeah. you asked your dog to, a simple command. He knows what to do. Come over here, and he doesn't. And you feel that frustration building. And you're absolutely right when it comes, especially with dogs. When they when you're in that headspace where you're frustrated, the last thing they want to do is come over. Yeah, <laughs> and to switch like, yourself. Forget in, about it. Yeah, and to switch yourself from the frustrated to the Happy, I'm glad I'm I'm gonna be thrilled when you get here, whenever you get here. That's really hard. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's not an instant switch. But the more you can use, well, I, I'm what it works for me is soften, but whatever your buzzword is or that you create, the more you use it, the quicker it gets you into more neutral. Yeah. How instead of ramping you up. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. And sometimes I just have to give myself a timeout. And what I really wanted to tell the guy at the counter is, hey, man, I, I know you're upset about the bill, but, you know, why don't you just go outside and take a walk around the parking lot? Yeah, have a timeout. Yeah. Yeah, have a timeout. Yeah, it, timeouts are not just for four-year-olds. No, they're for everybody. And yeah. this really comes into play when we ride and train because it's so easy to get frustrated. Whatever sport you're in, the horse is not a machine and the horse is going to make mistakes or not listen to the aid correctly or decide totally wants to do something different. And our frustration starts amping up. And then it becomes sort of a fight or a just an opposition of wills. And sometimes it's way better to just go, okay, long rain, let's walk. I'm going to get myself together. You get yourself together and let's try that again. Right. And it's particularly frustrating and difficult when those sorts of moments happen during the actual competition, you're 
in, in the warm up. In the warm up. In the warm up. Because right, obviously yeah. in the ring, nobody's going to, you know, have a knockdown track out, hopefully. But in the warm up, the horse just doesn't feel like it or for whatever, a hundred million reasons. And you're already tense because it's performance time. And yeah, it can just escalate. Yeah. And practicing when you're at home, and this is something I, I, I very rarely compete, but it's something I practice because when I do go away from home, whether it's just to go ride with friends or to school at a facility or to compete, I need to be able to step outside the situation and uh-huh. keep things under control because my horse is prone to DEFCON 5. So right. when those when when DEFCON three happens at home, when it does happen at home sometimes, I have to have the tools that I can mentally and emotionally set the fact that that's happening aside and get something positive going mm-hmm. between the two of us. Yep. So he decides yeah, that's very important. He he decides that this is the most intense move, moment of his 15-year existence. And if I give him any aid, he's going to shoot off like a rocket on the 4th of July. I have to have something in my back pocket that can get him to a safe place, that can get him mm-hmm. to the end of the dressage test, that can get him back to the horse trailer. So when smaller versions of DEFCON 5 happen, I take those as opportunities to, well, let's see what I can figure out here. Okay, we're in the middle of a dressage chest. I need to get these movements completed. How can I get the movements completed without escalating an already intense situations? And more important, without getting thrown off. <laughs> yes, very <laughs> important. Very important. Or if I'm, on a, if I'm on a ride, a group ride with a lot of other riders, uh, what can I do? My horse is feeling particularly high today. He's feeling very competitive and he has a need to be in the front of 25 other horses. What can I do to keep that from escalating? Get my get him and I safely to the end of the ride or away from the group. Because in the end, fighting about it is not going to get my horse any better. It's not going to reduce the... Nope. the it's not going to reduce the number of times DEFCON 5 happens. Getting through it without escalating it is going to help reduce the number of times that happens in the future. So taking those opportunities and trying to look at those, because I was always, you know, it's a problem that needs fixing. And I have to remind myself, a lot of times it's not a problem that needs fixing. It's an opportunity to see if I can't create a alternative result when those circumstances present themselves. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. One of the websites that I was looking at to, you know, understand more about the mechanism of anger and frustration, one of the points this one website made was the forgiveness. <gasps> oh. And it's, it's forgiving the animal. Like, I'm really sorry I yelled at you. It's also forgiving yourself for losing control. Yeah. And that they kind of have to go hand in hand, just forgiving the animal or just forgiving yourself without, or the other human that you yelled at or your coach or the hay man, or uh, I think people rarely yell at their farrier or vet because you don't want to lose them. So, <laughs> But um, <laughs> frustration can creep in. And so 
being able to forgive oneself and forgive the animal. I mean, for being a stupid human. You know, I've said that a lot of times to my dogs. I'm sorry. I'm such a stupid human. And the dog, the dog, the dog or the horse is much more prone to forgiving. Oh, particularly 100%. the dogs. Particularly yes. the dogs. Maybe the horse is a little yes. bit less so. But yes, you're right. It has to be that you have to be you have to become comfortable with. Okay, this is what happened. We are now officially moving on, and you have to move on at a very basic emotional level because if you say you're moving on and you're yes. not really you're lying to yourself uh it's going to creep right back in and if you so if you find yourself okay i'm not going to be frustrated i'm going to set it aside i'm going to move on but then the frustration keeps creeping right back in again maybe uh-huh. you're not really getting to the root correct and that yeah. that this is where i think the that the opportunity is so important when we start feeling anger and frustration to be able to have enough self-control that we can stop and go, okay, what am, what is really upsetting me? Because when you get into the logical break it down stuff, that's a diffusion. You're not responding with emotion that a lot of times we just can't control yeah. in the moment. Yeah. But if you can be logical about, okay, so this really upset me. I didn't like how this went. Okay, so how could I make that not happen again? Or, you know, it just becomes more logical and mm-hmm. um, channel your inner Dr. One, Spock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ah, I love that. Oh, I want to have a t shirt. Um, <laughs> channel your inner Dr. Spock you or your inner Yoda. If or you're a Star Yoda. Wars fan. Sure. If you're a Star but, Wars fan. But one more thing I want I want to mention, because I hadn't thought of it this way, is when we turn the anger inwards, that when we say hard things about ourselves, like we think we're unworthy, we're not good enough, we're not and nah, 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 all the, the negatives, all the knots, that's another punishment that affects our health. Just as much in, in all these these websites about anger, every single one of them mentioned the internal one, the voice that we have that says, you're not good enough, you're never going to be good enough, you suck, you are a terrible rider, you you know. All, you're just, all, not, all, you, you're just not trying hard enough. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And that's as destructive to you, to our physiology to our immune system, to our blood pressure, to our our sense of well-being and happiness as, you know, shouting from the rooftops any number of of insults and and swear words. So it's we have to be mindful of both, the external and the internal. Absolutely. And our animals will really appreciate that. Yeah. And speaking of being appreciative and less frustrated and angry, why don't we call Hedwig? <laughs> <laughs> and if you're new here, Hedwig is the universe's only podcasting Pomeranian. Here she comes. <laughs> Hedwig. Hello. Hello. How are you, Sydney? 
Well, I um, I'm okay. Uh oh. Uh oh. Boy, this this is about as unchatty as I've ever experienced, Hedwig. <laughs> we have an important question for you, Hedwig. Okay. Because that's what we do here. Yeah. We're we're talking about frustration and anger on the show today. So we thought we'd ask you, how do you dissipate frustration and anger? Your own, not others. Given that I am the most zen, calm creature in the world, <laughs> I so rarely experience any rage or frustration at all. So, you know, what's important is to remember that finding joy in your life is the very best thing. So, liar, liar, paws on fire. I find joy in my morning bacon, which is brought to me in my Honda. I go to the deli and I eat the bacon. And while I eat the bacon, I thank the pig who died and I eat my rage. That's what I do. I just eat my rage. Ah, (laughs) so it's a food thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I eat the bacon with some extra enthusiasm, and then later when I have my dinner, I eat my cheese, and I think of the cow who gave the milk for the cheese, and I think about how annoying I find my siblings, and I eat the cheese, and then I feel better (laughs) about everything. I think that's an excellent (laughs) method, actually. Baked bacon can fix so many things. Right? I mean, just around the time that I basically want to throttle everyone because the news is on the radio and the human is annoying and I want to push her in front of a vehicle. (laughs) And I remember, if I don't let the human live, I don't get the bacon. You don't and I want the bacon, so I let her live, and she brings me the bacon, and she earns one tiny iota of credit toward her ongoing survival. There we go. So everybody, everybody says that kale is a superfood. They're wrong. It's bacon. Bacon is disgusting. Kale is. I agree. I agree. Do you remember the nineteen nineties, Patty? Uh, Patty isn't here tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sure she does remember them, though. (laughs) Do you people remember the 1990s when no one knew about kale because it was a weed, but everyone knew about bacon because it was perfection? (laughs) Good point. That that is absolutely correct. So now we know one of the best ways to dissipate anger and frustration, first thing in the morning, bacon for breakfast. Eat some bacon. And And cheese for dinner. And cheese. Yes, cholesterol foods are the way to go. (laughs) Thank you very much, Hedwig. That helped a lot. Good advice. Yes, go have some chocolate. I can't have it, but you should. We will. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. And now it's time for the breed of the show. So now we're at the critter of the show, and I have chosen the African gray parrot. And the reason I've chosen the African gray parrot is that I actually lived with one. It wasn't my bird. It was my roommate's bird that he had rescued from a person who could no longer keep her. And her name was Maggie. And she hated me. I would walk by her cage and she'd throw her food at me. (laughs) Which 
just got to be funny. So I'd walk by her cage and she'd throw her food. As soon as you left the room, she would start talking. She would only talk to my roommate if he was in the room. But if if there was nobody there, she would start talking, you know, all the things that she learned. And she had learned a song. And it was from Colonel Bogey's March. Do, 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 do. So she would sing this. And she would start off really, you know, whistling it and really nice. And then the next refrain, she'd, and then she'd get louder. And then she'd start screaming it at the top of her lungs. Oh, it would just make me laugh. She was so entertained by that. So I've had a fond place in my heart for African great parrots because I think they're such characters. I've learned that they are the Einstein of the bird world. They're considered a genius bird species with excellent talking abilities. They are from Africa, as you might imagine. They Their lifespan is 30 plus years. So the parrot people recommend that if you get an African gray parrot that's a young bird, that you make sure in your will there's somebody that you can leave the bird to because they might outlive you. And not everybody um, wants an African gray parrot. Make sure you clear it with the person you put in there. Oh, yes. That's a <laughs> very important part. They're generally about uh, 13 inches tall, and they weigh about two and a half pounds. Their intelligent rate has been ranked to a five-year-old child. So that's actually older than a dog, which is ranked at a two or three-year-old. And this parrot is a five-year-old, which I thought was pretty cool. So, oh, there's all these, there's like so many different kinds of African parrots, African um, greys, but they, they are generally found on the Ivory Coast and Southern Guinea. They like savannas, mangroves, dense forests, and edges of forest clearings. Even though they're sophisticated parrots, they're sensitive and demanding. Their combination of sensitivity and intelligence can cause behavioral problems. Um, like a four-year-old can- child. Ah! Exactly. Um, they can become upset by deviations in routine. and. When they get stressed, they'll start plucking their feathers and gnawing. Um, They also need a lot more human interaction than some other parrots. And even though they're not cuddle bugs, um, but they want you to pay attention to them. And they like a lot of toys, but they have a potential to make a strong bond with one person in a family. So sometimes within a family, that can be problematic, especially with little kids. Um, they're very messy and they rip and tear up everything in their cage. So you do have to clean their cage daily and they can repeat words and phrases after hearing them twice, which is pretty amazing. Wow. Um, now, are, are most- again, are they like the four-year-old child in that they... It, they have they hear a cuss word twice and they repeat it, but if oh, they hear their sure. name a hundred times, they can't. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and they can learn words on their own. But if you want a bigger vocabulary, you have to teach them. And they start talking around 12 to 18 months. They'll, they'll mimic sounds earlier, but the real talking and chatting, um, starts after 12 or 18 months. And they do chatter throughout the day. They're not like the macaws who are real screamers all the time, really noisy birds, but they like to chatter. I remember Maggie, she'd like have conversations with herself as long as I wasn't in the room. In the room, when I was in the room, she was totally quiet, just throwing <laughs> things. Um, I'm just envisioning that. It's just so funny. <laughs> it was funny. She made me laugh. When they want your attention, they'll screech. Um, and they can also get loud when they're bored or frustrated and, and they like to mimic noises. So she liked to mimic like the tea kettle. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a a bad one. Like that. (laughs) It's a very bad one. And the more sounds they hear, the more they'll imitate them. And when my roommate, um, left with Maggie, he told me like a year or so later, he was living in this cabin and she was imitating all the bird calls. Oh, neat. Yeah. African greys like to eat. So um, you always have to make sure that they're um, always got food in their bowls. And they really shouldn't have foods with caffeine because it makes them hyperactive. No, I'm thinking, again, just like a four-year-old when child. I read, yeah. When I read that, I went, well, who would give their bird caffeine? Well, just, maybe, you know. maybe somebody thought it would be cute to give them, you know, um, coffee beans or something. Oh, my God. Not if you've ever spent in five minutes with an African grand <laughs> Would you want to give that thing caffeine? Um, it is recommended to have an outdoor aviary. So uh, not every house has one. But I'm guessing you could use a screened-in porch. and you know, so that they could fly around and, um, and, and they keep stressing an, uh, an aviary with toys. <laughs> so clearly they're like having puppies all the time all and the time. they really do like a routine, like when you feed them and play with them. And, um, they like to forage, which is interesting. They're considered the smartest parrot in the world. And they, they, the scientists think they actually appear to understand the meaning of words. They can speak foreign languages, tell jokes, count numbers, identify colors, shapes, and materials. They can build logical sentences and express their thoughts, which hmm. is really amazing. Interesting. Um, well, you know, that is, and that is interesting because the parrot in your life used to talk to herself. Yep. You know? Interesting. Huh. So the feather picking is one of the health issues and a vitamin A, vitamin D deficiency. So you do have to make sure that your, your parrot has enough vitamin D and gets enough UV light to produce vitamin D. And the, the main illnesses are, are respiratory in these birds. So, of course, they can have beak and feather diseases, but the best thing is for them to get out of their cage and explore 
and they need one to two hours of vigorous exercise outside their cage. One to two hours. So you really do need a screened-in porch. Wow, that's way more <laughs> and than some I perches. Wow. Me too. That was just shocking. And they like uh, fruits like mango, pomegranate, and melon. And they need a diet with, you know, these fruits and leaves and insects and flowers and barks, plus arugula, kale, sprouts, and hemp and flaxseed. So that's the African gray parrot in a nutshell. And <laughs> um, I, I still want one, but I, I don't think that's going to be happening in the near future. Maybe, uh, maybe when you can carve out that one to two hours every day for your vigorous parrot exercise. <laughs> yes. Although I'm sure that an African gray parrot and one or two Australian shepherds could keep themselves entertained for quite a while. There you go. And bacon. Do you? What is your comfort food, Tigger? Because everybody's got that that de-stressing food. Obviously, for Hedwig, it's bacon. Cream of tomato soup. With uh, a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, yeah. Tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwich. But it has to be cream of tomato soup with a little bit of basil, and it can't be out of a can. How else How else is, is there a way to have tomato soup that's not in a can? Yeah. You go to Whole Foods and buy their hot cream oh, of tomato Oh, well, that's soup that came in a bag instead of a can. Okay. Yeah. It just hasn't been made like, you know, a year ago. now do you like your tomato soup with i guess if you like cream of tomato that means you like the version of tomato soup that has milk in it or cream oh a hundred percent yeah because see that's glenn and i my my significant other and husband of 30 some years he likes his tomato soup with water and i like my tomato soup with milk oh yeah well cream of tomato soup you already have the milk so you're, you just literally are pouring it into a pot and warming it up. Yeah. I have only recently discovered the joys of tomato basil soup, which does not oh, require milk in my it's, book. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. We've been, oh. we've, been, we've been stepping up our game and treating ourselves to that. But for someone who is looking for a comfort food, you haven't found a good one yet and found one that is reasonably nutritious. Well, what's your, what's your comfort food? My comfort food... Oh my goodness. See right see right now everybody's thinking about wintertime comfort foods. But one of my comfort foods is definitely cocoa. Hot oh. cocoa. Oh. Oh, yes. Absolutely with a little bit of whipped cream at the on the top, but it's got to be real cocoa. It's got to be real milk, none of the Swiss Miss stuff. <laughs> eh. That's I not. make I we I'm sorry, but we do get the powdered kind, but if you make the powdered kind with milk instead of water, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, I'm really bad. I get the Godiva co- hot cocoa mix. <laughs> yes. We got one time, I don't remember what brand it was. It was on a vacation somewhere exotic. And we got something called drinking cocoa. And it was little tiny pellets. It looked like my- super microscopic sized Hershey's Kisses was what it looked like. But you took X tablespoons of that. And you put it in milk and then you heated it up and stirred it while you went. Sounds like Ovaltine, kind of. Well, Ovaltine has malt in it, so it has a distinctly oh. different flavor. But it looked it looked like chocolate chips. So you put oh, it in milk wow. and then you heat it up. And you, but you had to stir it continuously while you heated it. Otherwise, it would just heat and separate. 
So you had to ah. actually to cook the stuff. That was pretty amazing. So if you're a cocoa, if you don't like cocoa because it tastes fake because it comes out of an envelope, try drinking chocolate. It might be Ghirardelli brand because that's one of our go-to brands. Oh, they make a pretty good hot chocolate. But now that I've found Godiva's, no more Ghirardelli. Ah, uh, see. Well, there you go. If you're if you're a cocoa connoisseur and you have a favorite that's we'd like we would like to hear about it, uh, go over to Healthy Critters Radio on Facebook and tell us what your favorite cocoa product is because we want to know. Yes, because then we want to try it. There we go. <laughs> and speaking of comfort foods and stress, we're going to talk a little bit about stress and travel for our horses. There's a lot of traveling going on this time of year. Yes. And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and we're going to address reducing the effects of travel stress in horses. The great migration has begun as horses begin to ship to warmer climates like Florida, South Carolina, Southwest California, Arizona, Oklahoma, and Texas. Many of us know the awful feeling when your horse gets off the trailer and doesn't seem quite right. We want our horses to arrive hydrated, happy, and minimally stressed. The more stress our horses feel in transport, the higher the rate of ulcer formation and the greater the imbalance of the microbia in the gut. This imbalance can lead to the rise of pathogenic bacteria in a gut environment where the friendly bacteria dominate. Step one is support for the gut. Probiotics are the go-to for beneficial microbiota support and colonization. I recommend starting with a live active probiotic supplement one to two days prior to shipping, plus the day the horse gets on the van. If the horse is overnighting somewhere, another dose of probiotics is recommended, as well as when the horse arrives at the final destination. If your horse is shipping to a state he or she has never been to, it's best to continue probiotic supplementation for a few days after arrival. What to consider when choosing a probiotic for your horse? As with yogurt, probiotic supplements that provide live active strains must by law be labeled as colony forming units, known as CFUs. Colony forming units tell you how many active organisms are contained per serving. Probiotic supplements that do not label CFUs do not contain live or active strains. The CFUs are measured in the millions or billions of active organisms. Only active strains can colonize the GI tract. The higher the CFUs, the more viable organisms are available to colonize the GI tract and maintain the balance of microbiota in the gut. A probiotic supplement with 100 billion CFUs provides more efficacy than a probiotic supplement with 50 million CFUs. Many lactobacillus strains and bifido strains cannot pass through the stomach without a degree of deterioration due to the presence of stomach acid. Look for probiotic supplements that are either enteric-coated or micro-encapsulated to protect the microorganisms as they travel through the gastric area. The spore-based probiotic strains, such as bacillus and the active yeast strains like Saccharomyces, can survive the harsh environment of the stomach and do not need microencapsulation. Biostar's active probiotics. Biostar probiotic formulas are based on Ayurvedic principles of cooling, warming, neutral. Horses that may be ulcer-sensitive benefit from cooling probiotics. 
Horses that are older need weight gain or digestive support benefit from warming probiotic strains. Horses that need neither warming or cooling benefit from neutral probiotic strains. Our cooling strains are Bioflora and Hedro GI. Our warming strain is BioYeast and our neutral is Symbiota. Ulcer protection. Omeprazole is by far the most widely used ulcer medication for both therapeutic use and prevention. As far as a preventative, keep in mind what it does. It is a proton pump inhibitor. It blocks gastric acid secretion by binding to and inhibiting the ATP pace pump. Horses need gastric acid for the early stages of digestion to help break down food before the food enters the small intestine and finally the hindgut. Alternatives to omeprazole. Neutralizing stomach acid with alfalfa is a a more holistic approach to ulcer prevention. Alfalfa provides a high amount of calcium for stomach acid buffering. A flake of alfalfa hay once or twice during travel can buffer stomach acid, thus preventing damage to the stomach lighting while still maintaining acid production for digestion. Biostar's TriGuard paste is a convenient way to support and protect your horse's stomach and GI tract. It provides pharmaceutical-grade pectin that's used in hospitals and sunflower lecithin for mucosal protection and support. It's combined with traditional Chinese medicine, mushrooms, lion's mane, turkey tail, and shaga, which can protect against ulceration. Includes active probiotic bacillus strains with humic and fulvic acids to support the entire GI tract. The travel stress component. The stress component of travel cannot be overstated. Some horses are particularly sensitive to travel, may not eat well on the road, may not drink well, or simply don't like their equine traveling companions. Once they arrive at the new barn or show facilities, the newness may be an additional stress. The biology of stress is the brain-gut-adrenal axis. This biological axis is in constant communication. Remember, the gut is the second brain. Addressing the stress component is vital to having a healthy, happy horse arrive at the new winter location. Biostar's Zen Max. Biostar's Zen Max paste provides two important adaptogenic extracts to address the brain-gut-adrenal axis reishi mushrooms, and orpine rose extract. It also combines microcrystallized aloe for protection of the GI tract, amino acid chelation, amino acid chelated magnesium for muscle relaxation, and bovine milk protein provides tryptophan, which can be converted to the neurotransmitter serotonin in the brain. The importance of hydration. Keeping horses hydrated while traveling is always a priority. Some horses do not drink well when on the road, even when with water brought from home. Horses that continually graze get more water from the grass than horses whose only forage is hay. In fact, a hay-fed horse only gets one-twentieth the amount of water from hay as from pasture. Travel stress can affect hydration coupled with temperature changes and new surroundings can lead to GI tract discomfort. Tips for hydration. Mashes can be an excellent way to increase hydration when stopping to fill up for gas, letting the horses relax before the trailer moves again. 
Speedy Beat mashes come in convenient one-serving bags are a great way to help hydrate your horse, particularly if your horse is a fussy drinker when traveling. Purina's hydration hay is another way to hydrate your horse when traveling. Biostar's elixir paste is a fast and easy way to help hydrate your horse and increase your horse's desire to consume more water. Give one tube each day of shipping and traveling. Elixir also provides stress support with holy basil and gut support with microcrystallized aloe. The horse hydrator is a convenient portable water filter that screws on to the end of a hose to improve water quality, which encourages horses to drink. That's available at Biostar US. And for the human stress, I recommend plenty of chocolate and some organic India Tulsi tea after the drive is over. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Good quality chocolate and some tea. You got it. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real food ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, BiostarUS. You can find them online at BiostarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 